Sings like an angel. I appreciate that. Now, she, she, I hear that phrase all the time at, at home. Some things never change. Uh, and um, and, and uh, she kind of, that, but to, get, to take this thing off, she sings it like that, you know. And uh, it helps, helps me. But thank you for that song. In all seriousness, it's, uh, God, is, God is so good. And I'm thankful for uh, the unchangeable God that we have. Amen. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians in chapter number 8. Uh, and uh, last week, just not necessarily in review, uh, but we looked at the churches of Macedonia that uh, Paul said in the first part of this chapter that uh, he d- does us to wit, uh, do you to wit. He wanted us to know and understand about the grace that God had bestowed upon those churches. They were poor, uh, they were uh, afflicted, persecuted churches uh, that gave generously to uh, the offering that was being collected. Uh, for the saints that were at Jerusalem. Uh, and, uh, and so Paul, uh, in Paul-like fashion, was given an illustration of these churches uh, in Thessalonica, Berea, and Philippi uh, that didn't need uh, to be uh, coerced, um, manipulated in any way to give. From their deep poverty they gave, they were willing to give of themselves uh, first, uh, and then they gave uh, out of uh, gave liberally uh, out of that poverty and persecution, uh, and uh, and it was more uh, than Paul uh, could imagine. It didn't mean that it was uh, a lot, uh, but it meant that uh, what he expected those poor churches to do, uh, they exceeded uh, that in a great way, uh, and he gives us that as an example. Uh, so we, uh, I talked about uh, the title of the service or the message uh, being, or it could be uh, said, uh, to not let, uh, not let people show us up. Uh, so he was saying these churches weren't coerced, but as he gives the example, uh, in a way, uh, he's kind of uh, very pointed in saying you can't let uh, those churches un- you know, outdo uh, what you're supposed to do. Uh, and then reminded them uh, that uh, they had a previous commitment uh, that we read about in our text uh, today uh, that they had made a year prior. Uh, and, uh, and he said to them uh, that uh, you need to finish this, uh, finish in this same grace. Uh, and then uh, what he says in verse number 7, if you look there, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, verse number 7, um, remember the church at Corinth, they were a mess. Uh, there were, they had a lot of stuff that was taking place, uh, ungodly things. There were divisions and contentions. Uh, Paul lit them up uh, in 1 Corinthians, wrote a letter, uh, said things like, you know, uh, I've got to write a letter because uh, if I come there, uh, you're in trouble. I'm paraphrasing. Uh, it was just um, oftentimes in our life, we don't want to, if we stand face to face with someone, uh, we might say, do, or our body language or whatever, uh, it might uh, get in the way of what needs to be communicated. So Paul's like, he wrote a letter uh, in a way saying, um, I'm upset, I'm writing this letter because if I come there, uh, I'm going to whoop you, (laughs) Uh, is basically what he was saying. Uh, And uh, and they're on the mend. Uh, They had repented, uh, they had taken care of uh, sin uh, that was in uh, the church. Uh, and, And even though they were they struggled with virtues uh, or a lack of virtue in many areas. They did have some good things going on. Verse number seven, he says, therefore, as you abound in everything, in faith, they were, they were growing in faith. 
Uh, people were being, uh, you know, receiving the gospel. They were, they were learning. Uh, in fact, you know, one evidence of our growth in faith is the, is the willingness and ability to receive rebuke, uh, to take, uh, take our lumps uh, when we need them. You know, the saying, if the shoe fits, you know, put it on. Uh, and, uh, and they had learned that uh, there's wisdom uh, in, in the wounds uh, of a friend, uh, the Bible calls it. Uh, when people tell you what you need to hear, uh, and, uh, and, and by the way, they know uh, that you don't want to hear it as much as you know you don't want to hear it. Um, but they love you enough. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not talking about busybody or somebody who's meddling or somebody's out to get you. I'm saying people care for you, love you. You know who they are. Uh, and uh, when, they, when they tell you stuff that, uh, that'll hurt you, um, uh, please always understand uh, that uh, it's for our good and we should receive it uh, and uh, if that shoe does fit, they were growing in faith and in utterance and uh, in communication of the gospel and of, uh, uh, of at that time, the sign gifts and things that uh, were, uh, were used of God to bring validity to, credibility to uh, his message and his messengers uh, in knowledge and in all diligence, um, in love uh, to, uh, to them, uh, and uh, which was awesome uh, because, again, uh, he was, uh, wasn't very uh, nice in his communications uh, ahead of this. Uh, and, uh, and he says that you've grown in these and you abound in everything, uh, in all these virtues. And he prays and asks them that they would abound in this grace also. So the grace uh, that he wanted them to grow in and abound in uh, was the grace of giving. This grace that had been given to these churches, and again, we emphasized last week uh, that it's not us that does it, it's the grace of God in us that does it, and we pray and ask God for more grace, and he says he'll give grace, he'll give more, he'll give it to us if we humble ourselves, and we ask God last week and continue to do so this week. As we humble ourselves to God, God give us more grace, expand uh, our ability, help our ability to grow uh, in reaching out uh, with, with this kind of grace. In fact, later on uh, in uh, this, uh, this passage of Scripture, uh, we see it communicated uh, the uh, deliverance of this grace. So the, the, the finances that they were taking back uh, to Jerusalem uh, and that they had collected over the course of time in their journeys uh, was no small uh, amount. It was, a, a, it was a large amount that had been given uh, in small amounts by these churches, some uh, that had, some that didn't have, uh, and uh, in, they delivered that grace. So when we, um, uh, you know, when we give to missions and we give to missionary, we'll, we'll just use an example uh, this last week. Uh, this last week we had missionaries to the Navajo uh, Nation. Uh, and, uh, and so the McDaniels, as they were here, uh, and uh, we wanted to uh, be a blessing. Uh, they stayed next door. We had different things uh, that uh, we took them out to eat different places during the week. And uh, they, in fact, fed us uh, one lunch, uh, a lunch one day. We had Navajo tacos, and, uh, and we enjoyed that. Uh, and, uh, and then we gave him uh, a love offering. Uh, and, uh, and uh, you know, on Sunday night after the service. And so when I gave him that love offering, and it was a generous love offering, uh, it, is, it is 
administering grace, delivering grace, grace that God gives us that we give uh, to them. Uh, and then uh, the next day found out his wallet was, uh, he thought his wallet was stolen. And I'm like, oh, I hope he didn't cash that check. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and he had it. He found his wallet, praise the Lord. And they've made their way back uh, to, uh, to their home. Uh, but when we give to them, we are administering grace uh, to them. And it's a, it's a wonderful thing when we understand truly what it is that we're doing. Uh, and Paul is trying to help them that they need to grow and abound in this grace. So he uses the example of churches that really couldn't in all, you know, um, in, in every way they, they had need themselves. Uh, yet they begged the Apostle Paul to take their gift, uh, their grace, uh, and administer it. Uh, it wasn't Paul begging them to give it. It was them begging Paul to receive it, uh, which, is, which is an important thing for us to note. So he lays it all out and gives us an example. I've pointed to them as an example. Uh, I've pointed to, uh, to our church uh, as, uh, as uh, boasting on your behalf as a pastor. I'll do that. Our church uh, is known for uh, its, its missions giving and, and how we treat missionaries, and that's great. We need to understand and know that it's not us. It's the grace that God has bestowed upon us that we wouldn't do it outside of the Holy Spirit and the grace of God because we're human beings uh, and uh, we will uh, we'll hoard uh, and we'll, we won't be generous. We need the Holy Spirit of God to lead us and direct us in all of that. So uh, there are examples in the Bible of those churches. And by the way, let me say this. Um, uh, you might uh, look at what I'm saying today and last week and as I continue with these thoughts about this particular subject. It's that time of year uh, as we get ready for our missions offering. Um, uh, I want you to understand and know that what I'm, what I'm teaching you uh, is the, the way that I'm teaching this to you is not necessarily the way most churches teach this. Uh, and, uh, and, it, and to the point to where um, I'll be asked to go in, like if I explain what I'm explaining to you to other preachers and missionaries, they want me to come uh, in, and teach that to their people. Because it's biblical truth and it's, and it's something that we, um, preachers mess up on when we teach it and church members close their ears to when it's being taught. Um, because we don't, like, we don't like hearing messages about finances. And, uh, and I get it. I understand that. Uh, but uh, like I've told people, hey, you know, uh, this is, you know, this is just the time you've come at the time where we're doing that. Uh, and uh, I'm not apologizing for it, but it's different. Uh, and it, when we when we see this perspective from the Bible. So uh, so he lays out the case uh, that they're to grow in this grace. And he tells them, here's some examples. But, you know, there are people who would look at churches, our church, the church at Macedonia. I'm not saying our church is like the church of Macedonia. I wish it was. Um, but we look at those examples, humanly speaking, and we, we have a difficult time um, with looking at them, in part because we have a biblical admonition not to compare ourselves amongst ourselves. So, so we, can't, we can't look at, and I, I tend to do that in this way, like I'll look at 
uh, a church. Uh, our, our church isn't a large church. Our church is um, uh, it's 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 big for you know independent Baptist churches in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, and uh, in that regard, however, with the amount of people that we have in our church, uh, we should be giving a lot more to missions from from just uh, how many come uh, in in what we give. All right, um, and so I'll look at. Churches that you know uh, somebody posts on the internet, you know we you know we took up our faith promise and it went up sixty percent, and we're given you know three hundred fifty thousand dollars to missions this year, uh, and you know in with our fifty people, and I, I think oh man, you know and and when I do that, when I when I make those comparisons, it's discouraging, uh, and and that's why it's unwise because God does something there. Uh, he does something here. He does something in our church. Uh, and the churches aren't the same. And, and it's not about how much we give. It's why we give it, how we give it, uh, that's, uh, that's of importance to God uh, and, uh, and what God. So, so, for example, you know, I'm saying as a church, we, we give a good amount to missions. Um, and uh, we can always give more. And when people... When people from the outside look in, they'll give testimony like Brother McDaniels did last week. He said, um, I don't know of another uh, pastor uh, who loves missionaries as much as your pastor does. Now, he probably does. Uh, and, uh, but when I look at it myself, I'm thinking, I've got to do so much better. Are you with me? So we look at examples. We will balk at that because we have biblical, we have Bible verses that say we shouldn't compare ourselves. We know that that the will of God um, and the ability, everything from the widow's might, the economy, how God looks at it, what we give, that God does all of that, and it will differ from place to place. If you're with me, say amen. All right. And so we, we, we'll struggle or balk at pointing to even these churches here uh, that they were first willing to give of themselves. And I mentioned something last week. It's about lordship. Uh, it, they gave of themselves first to the Lord and unto them. Uh, and he said, church at Corinth, you need to really be um, and do like those little churches did. Um, because a year ago, you said you were gonna and you didn't. And so now you, now you need to do it because when you do it, verse number um, eight he says, and knows what he says. Paul says, I speak not by commandment, uh, but by occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. So he said to them, these, these little churches, they love Jesus uh, and that they love the fellowship, the ministry of the saints. You need to do it also and prove the sincerity of your love. You said it. Uh, and so Paul, in, you know, in, in Paul's way, he's saying you need to put your money where your mouth is. And you need to do what you said you were going to do. Okay? Now, they were used to Paul, like, whacking them. You know, the Bible says in Psalm, like, his, his, the rod, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. That the rod, the directing of, the, uh, of, of God's is wonderful comforts. But the, 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 uh, the staff, rather, and then the rod, the cudgel, both of them. When God guides us or God thumps us, <laughs> um, they both should be a blessing to us because they're evidences of God's love. So he said, um, you need to, you need to uh, prove the sincerity of your love. Now, in that church, there was contention. We talked about this in Sunday school. 
Uh, in the early church, there was all kinds of contentions about different things. And so if you can imagine, there are saved people, some of our newly saved, they're in, the, the church was a carnal church. We know that from, from what the Bible says. And so this, this church didn't, like, everybody in the church wasn't super Holy Ghost filled, excited about God in a thing. They're just like every, every church. You're going to have some who are on fire, some who are not. You're going to have some who are bought in, some that aren't. You're going to have some that are sold out to Christ, some that are living for self. We know that there were those there uh, and uh, because the Bible says. And then he says, so were some of you. So we know that some were right in living for God um, too. But there was a mix. People doing right, people doing wrong. So in a mix of people doing right, some doing right, some doing wrong, just like we would have uh, in the average church today, inevitably there is going to be somebody when, they, when, they're, when the, the pastor is reading the letter from Paul and, uh, and he's reading it to the church, uh, to be read in the churches, uh, and, uh, and he says, uh, and you need to prove the sincerity of your love. Uh, that somebody, somebody got mad at that. Somebody probably didn't like like that. Well, it's easy for Paul. Uh, and, uh, and on, on, or whatever. It, it, they're human beings. They've got blood running through their veins like we do. So there was probably people in there that weren't, weren't, weren't buying the comparison to those. That's their churches. We're the church of Corinth. What happens here is not like what it is, like it is in Berea. Different people, different circumstances, different economy. Uh, and, you know, so, you know, don't be telling us all about what those churches did. Because, Paul, you've even told us not to compare ourselves amongst ourselves. All right. Uh, and I'm just trying to put myself in the position. And so Paul, um, and I love it, he digs in a little bit deeper. Uh, and, uh, and he says this in verse number eight. He told him, prove the sincerity of your love. And then he says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. And herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you, who have, who have begun before not only to do, but also uh, to be forward a year ago. And he's telling them to perform uh, that which you said you're going to do. And so he, he lays out uh, the sacrificial giving of Jesus. Uh, on the cross of Calvary. Um, now, we think of Jesus, the Bible says that he didn't have a place to lay his head, and um, we know uh, that, you know, poverty, uh, or living hand to mouth in that time in an agricultural society, I mean, that's just what people did. But he was a carpenter and the son of a carpenter um, in, in Nazareth, and so most people understand that Jesus, Jesus didn't grow up um, broke, um, there, his family made a living, uh, and, uh, and he was a tradesman uh, and made a living. Uh, so when it's making a reference to uh, him being rich and made himself poor, is really specifically speaking to his incarnation. That he left the throne of heaven and became sin for us, like uh, we sang about in the song earlier. And so he said, you need to prove the sincere of your love. And if we didn't want human examples, he says, here's, here's the best example. And that's Christ, who became poor for your sakes that, so that you might be rich. 
speaking of our spiritual richness and uh, in our inheritance of eternal life, that he left uh, his throne above uh, and, uh, and came here, uh, was born uh, in a stable and a manger, uh, and, uh, and all that we know that came through his life as the God-man, uh, the incarnate, the hyperstatic union of Christ, God in the flesh. God became man uh, in Jesus and uh, with, uh, with who made everything, uh, and, and everything was made for him, and he, and he came uh, and became man. Uh, and that's the example that, that he gives. And then he says, um, so this is my advice. Um, this is expedient for you. He says, um, he's, he's not making them give. He's not saying you have to give. He's saying you promise, you need to keep your promise, and that's a whole separate issue. But, but he's, he's saying, I'm, I'm, I'm not speaking by commandment, uh, and, uh, and here's my advice. Uh, now, we know, kind of catch 22, it's in the Bible, so it's inspired, right? And, uh, and it's become a commandment for us. But what he's saying to them uh, is you need to decide what you're going to do. Uh, and uh, as the best kind of uh, way to... To measure that is by looking at what Jesus did. And, but what he wasn't saying is that, that you or I have to become poor so that others can be rich. And he goes on later in tonight's message, uh, will we'll be about that. He's, he's, he kind of lays all those things out uh, in, the, in the remaining part of this chapter and chapter uh, number nine. But he says... It's, it's Christ's example that should temper um, your generosity in your giving. We know God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. So when we, when we want to give an example of agape love, sacrificial love, we point to God giving His Son, sacrifice, uh, and uh, the greatest gift ever given. Uh, and we can't, of course, we can't outdo that. Uh, we can't outgive the Lord. I mean, it was the greatest, but that's what we point to when we when we look at husbands and wives. We're supposed to husband's supposed to love his wife uh, like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. So our example is is in Christ uh, all the way through uh, the Bible. Um, so uh, I had you turn to Philippians two if you'll turn there real quick. Um, he he's the example, Christ. Uh, and, uh, and so he told them back in 2 Corinthians uh, that they needed to, uh, to have uh, a mind for uh, doing what, uh, what Christ did, what these other churches did. And he elaborates the church at Philippi, which, by the way, loved Jesus uh, and uh, was, uh, was a, uh, one of these Macedonian churches. He says to them in verse number 5, he said, "...let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus." who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So uh, the story of Jesus' life is God came uh, in the flesh. He came, he became the sinless, spotless lamb of God. Uh, he shed his blood uh, on the cross of Calvary 
uh, for the remission of sins. Where without the shedding of blood, there is none. There's no remission of sins. So it wasn't his death. It wasn't the process. It was his shed blood. What can wash away our sins? We sing it, nothing but the blood of Jesus. So he became obedient. He humbled himself. He was God. He humbled himself, fashioned as a man, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That's what our life is all about, is about what Jesus did for us and then what he is doing through us because of what he's done in us. Uh, He saved me uh, and he changed me. Uh, and he, uh, he's done so many different things uh, for my life. In fact, uh, Paul elsewhere in the book of Galatians um, says to the church at Galatia, which is my kind of, um, if I was to sign something, someone's kid come up and says, can you sign my Bible? Uh, I'll sign it, my name, and I'll put Galatians 2.20 underneath it. Not the whole verse, just the reference. But it says this, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Um, If you're saved today, the Bible says you are living sacrifice. um, uh, You've been redeemed, purchased. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Uh, And uh, and there's a lot to be be talked about when it comes to who we are in Christ. Uh, And uh, we are joint heirs. Uh, with Christ. We're seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, positionally in Him, through Him, His righteousness applied to our life. And, uh, and so uh, when God says in Romans 12 uh, that we present our bodies a living sacrifice, which is ho- holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. So we're bond servants uh, of, uh, of the Lord, and it's reasonable. If, if, God, uh, if God wanted me to give, you know, uh, every minute of my time to him, it would be a reasonable ask. Uh, if, God, if God wanted me to give 90% instead of, 20, or instead of 10%, it would be reasonable. Are you following me? So, so it's a reasonable service um, because we're, we're dead to self and alive unto Christ. The life which we live in the flesh, we live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Because I live... Uh, uh, because he lives, I live. Uh, and, and so uh, for me as a Christian, reconciling all of that doctrine and truth in the reality of what happened when I got saved, where I'm going, how, sh- how short my life is, as it's, as it's recorded in Scripture, it's a vapor, it's like a leaf, it just withers. The brevity of life, all of that, um, I have zero problem uh, giving to God anything that God would want me to give to Him. Uh, and, uh, and so when it's plain in the Bible, um, then I just give it to God. Uh, when, when I believe God's leading me in a direction to do something, I'm human, uh, and I'm not saying every time I don't, I don't give any pushback, uh, but ultimately I realize that I can't withstand God. And that, and that when I try to remind God of my rights, the Holy Spirit of God says, um, you don't have any. Not as a blood-bought child of God. Are you with me? 
Now, it seems harsh because we're all about rights and privileges in America and, and, uh, and on and on. And I've got a right to my own opinion. And, uh, and, we're in, and it's just don't be infringing because we're just rights, 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 rights. Uh, but, but in the grand scheme of, of, the, of biblical truth, um, we have, when we got saved, uh, we became a servant of Christ. We're, we, we don't belong to ourselves. We belong to him. And we know, we know that because we believe the book. But we don't, we don't like to acknowledge it or behave it because that, that makes life sometimes uncomfortable. And, and then we have to do for God things that we don't want to do. You know, so a missionary that's going to go to the Navajo reservation uh, in, in, and live out there and, and, uh, and really, uh, he didn't say much about this. Uh, but like 60-some percent of the people on the Navajo Re- Reservation still do not have electricity and running water. It's like a, it's like a developing country within our country. Uh, and, uh, and so um, they, they, they're like, well, I don't really want to go, Lord. And the Holy Spirit goes, you're going because you don't belong to you. I bought you. And so that's when we say things like, are we giving Jesus what he paid for uh, in those analogies? So, so I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm giving you like uh, a lot to process in reference to, to, to this part of, of Scripture. Um, but let me just give you one, one other passage. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. Um, uh, and, um, and we're going to look at... Um, Verse, let's say verse uh, 14. And here, we, we mess this stuff up. Well, there's a lot of verses that we say in the Bible, and we say it, and we make it mean really what it doesn't mean. And, um, you know, we think, because I, love, because I love Jesus so much that I serve him, but my love for Jesus fails. It's his love for me that constrains me, not my love for him that constrains me. Paul says this, and he's talking about death and life and uh, our earthly house uh, being dissolved. And uh, I'll read from this passage almost every time I do a graveside uh, committal service, and, or maybe it's mentioned in a memorial service. Uh, and uh, and uh, because, you know, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. And, but there's reasons behind that. Verse 14, for the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. Now, we, we know the, whole, the love of Christ constrains us. So we, if we wrap our mind and say, okay, you know, I serve God and live for God because He loves me so much. His love for me constrains me. Because He loves me so much, I live for Him, I do for Him. It's not because I love Him. Because think of somebody that you love, just a human being that you love very much. Do you do everything that they want you to do? No. Do you, do you please them all the time? No. Uh, and, uh, and so it's our, our love falls short, humanly speaking, spiritually speaking, um, all the time. Uh, we, we do a lot uh, in our lives, not out of love, um, but uh, for other reasons. So we, the love of Christ constrains me. Uh, And he says, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. Verse 15, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, 
but unto him which died for them and rose again. So if we needed more evidence that we're not to live for self, um, he gives it to us in a verse like this. It says that because he died for us, uh, we live not so that we can live for self, so that we can, we can live for others. And by the way, um, you take that out of the, you know, you set the Bible aside, that type of wisdom is even worldly wisdom. People who, people who aren't saved and bought with, by the blood of Christ um, live sacrificial lives for other people. They, they serve in foreign countries and build houses and dig wells uh, and, uh, and, and feed the hungry. Are you with me? Just, you know, born-again children of God don't corner the market on benevolence. Uh, in fact, we, we oftentimes fall way short uh, from, uh, from even some worldly standards. And so lost people understand that it's not about self. I mean, they can, they can oh, it was taught evolution, survival of the fittest, and, and on and on, get what you can and can what you get. But, but when, they, when they, they start to, to live uh, and, and, and live amongst people uh, and communicate and, and cooperate, they, they figure out really soon that you, it's not all about you. It's about other people. And, uh, but here, we don't have to learn that the hard way. Because God lays it out for us in the Bible. It's, about, it's not about us. It's about other people. Um, it's we, when in, in a relationship, it's a one flesh relationship with our spouse. It's not about me. It's about, it's about my wife. Uh, it's not about her. It's about me. Uh, and, uh, and, 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 and that's the, the principle that God bears out uh, in, in Scripture. And so I was reading a, uh, a commentary um, uh, that I read often, and, uh, and he said some things about uh, this passage of Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, and I just want to read it. Uh, and, uh, and then uh, we'll wrap this up this morning. But it sa- he said this, it says, in this view um, that Paul is communicated in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5 about, about the love of Christ constraining him, that he's, it's, he doesn't live for himself, he lives for others. And, and really when he, when he says later on, um, again, he says we're a new creature in Christ. That's where that same passage is. Uh, in verse number 17, Therefore, if many men be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself in Jesus Christ. He's saying everything's about God, and you need to reconcile yourself. He's saying to save people, reconcile yourself to God, uh, you know, check the balances and in, in, in realize um, that we're wanting and that we need to be better in this area. And so he says about the Apostle Paul, and in this view chiefly was it uh, endeared to the Apostle Paul who bears the testimony respecting it. The love of Christ constraineth me. He rightly judged that if one died, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that those who live should not live unto themselves, but unto him that died for them and rose again. And then he asked these questions. He says, now then, has it, the love of Christ, now has it the same influence on you? Does it fill you with wonder and admiration that the God of heaven and earth should stoop so low for you, and submit to such indignities for you, 
and endure such sufferings for you and by such mysteries obtain eternal glory for you. My dear brethren, if you know this mystery aright, it will so operate upon you as to make you feel that all you are and all that you have is Christ's, to be employed solely and exclusively for Him, whose you are and whom you are bound to serve. Uh, and he says, you will live not uh, to yourselves, uh, but uh, is said altogether for Him, uh, who is by every possible claim the rightful Lord, both of the dead and the living. And uh, so that was some pretty deep stuff in that commentary. Um, but if we really believe uh, that Jesus died for us and that we belong to Him, that He is Lord uh, of our life, we look to that example uh, as the example to be in poverty so that others can be, can be rich that we give of ourselves. That's why he said in Philippians that when we, the need that's created, when we supply somebody else's need, that he fills through his riches in Christ, Christ's uh, glory, in his riches. He does that. And so, like, ah, I don't know, uh, looking at other churches uh, and what they're doing, that's kind of them and, uh, and we're us. And, and so, you know, um, I hear you, but I ain't hearing you. And then he goes, yeah, but Jesus, um, this is what he did. And my advice for you is that you do the same thing. And, uh, and in that moment, um, I don't think there could be anyone in the Corinthian church or in the Berean church um, that could, could say, um, no, or I don't agree with that. Because it's altogether true, and we know if you're here today and you're saved, you know this to be true. You can't, you can't read your Bible for five minutes and not realize that there's a, there's a God um, that, that bought you that you're supposed to obey and follow. And, uh, and so there's no greater example of, of, of giving uh, than God himself giving his son. Uh, and uh, and he, that's the example that he impresses upon them uh, in that moment. So God wants us to grow in this grace. And he has given us two examples, churches and then Jesus himself. Our takeaway should be, I want to grow in that grace uh, as well. God, to help me uh, to be, um, to, to understand that, that I belong to him. And that everything I have belongs to Him. Uh, and, and, and when we really understand that, you won't get offended at messages on giving. Um, you, 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 just, you, just, you just won't. It's a telltale sign that somebody doesn't understand fully this, these truths. Because if you did, you wouldn't. Are you with me? And so, like, well, I was, I was, I'm mad about it, and I was going to tell you, but now I can't tell you because now you're going to think I'm not spiritual. <laughs> and uh, you, you can tell me, but I'm just going to say, just, just obey the book. And, 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 just, and sometimes it takes us acting out in, in, by faith and doing something we don't necessarily understand, then God gives us the understanding. 
um, because we're, we're supposed to obey Him. Uh, and, you know, we're not going to get to heaven and stand before God and God say, well, how come you didn't do this? And you're like, well, I, I just totally didn't understand it. I mean, in my defense, I mean, you kind of like King James, thou's and these and uh, and, uh, and so I kind of, it was kind of lost. I mean, I just, I mean, I tried and I just, I just didn't understand it. We're still going to be held accountable. Ignorance is not bliss. And, uh, and so, um, you know, God gives us this and I hope you understand my heart in it. My heart is for us to, to love God and to belong to God and obey God in these areas. Um, and then minister grace to people missionaries, people in our area, whatever benevolence that we need to do uh, because, because it's, the, because it's the right thing for the child of God to do. Uh, and, um, and we have a, a joyous spirit about it because we see it all as a, as a privilege that God allows us to do while we, while we occupy till he comes. And, um, and, when, and, and it'll, it'll change, 100% change. Uh, the way you view our offering this next week. And so I hope that you understand. I hope you pray about that. Let's all stand and, and, uh, and we'll give some time to the Lord to, to work in our hearts about this or whatever area. Um, you know, we talked about the Lord and Jesus um, being God in the flesh, dying for our sins. And our heads are bowed, our eyes closed. You say, uh, Pastor, I'm here today and, um, and I know that I'm saved. Uh, I know I'm going to heaven uh, and, uh, I, and I realize that he's purchased me with his blood. Um, I understand that today heaven is my home. Uh, would you raise your hand? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Nobody needs to look at your neighbor or whatever. All right, thank you. You say, Pastor, I'm, um, I don't know that in my own life. Um, I've not been saved. I've not been born again. Uh, and, uh, but the Holy Spirit of God uh, is working in my heart, and, uh, and I know I need to be saved. Would you... I'll just raise your hand where you are, heads are bowed and eyes closed. I'm not saved, but I know, I know I'm not, but I need to be. Anybody at all? Um, Jesus came. He, he suffered, uh, shed his blood uh, so that my sins could be paid for, so your sins could be paid for. And if, the, if God is, is dealing with your heart about uh, trusting him as, uh, as your Savior, I hope and pray that you'll, uh, you'll obey the Spirit's leading uh, in that area. We say, Pastor, I'm here today, and and my prayer uh, is uh, that God would help me to grow in this grace also. And God spoke to my heart through the passage today. And I want to acknowledge that, that God spoke to me. Is there anybody like that? Say, I need to grow in this grace. It's okay. Just raise your hand. I need to grow in this grace. And uh, there should be a lot of hands uh, and, uh, that are up. You say, why? Uh, because God just laid it out in his word. Um, and he wants us to grow in that grace. So it should be the prayer and thought of every Christian. So would you ask him today to help you with that? As the piano begins to play, God spoke into your heart. You just obey the Spirit. You can pray where you are. You can come to the altar. You can pray and, uh, and, uh, and just ask God to help you to grow in not just faith and knowledge and these other things, but in this grace also.